Hello again, I'm Pete Carvel. Thanks for lending me your ears for another instalment of Fresh Soup. I'm going to be joined on the Zoom line in a few records time by Gavin Ed from the band Skeletons. We'll be talking our past at Gash Digital, what they're up to now as a band, Alex James's Cheese Farm, Baked Beans, Blog House, and how to upset a crowd in Sheffield. For now, this is Talks by PVA. It's the Muramasa remix, and this is awesome. I've been stuck trying to play this game I rolled the dice just to see you again Even in the furthest reaches I've searched for forgiveness
You just heard Echo Droid's edit of Gustavo Steve's remix of Lana Del Rey Blue Jeans. And this, this is David Coretta. Come here, come down.
Hello, you're listening to Fresh Soup. I'm now joined by the Skeletons Boys. These guys have got more sparkle than a thousand mirror balls floating in a sea of glitter. <laughs> How are you doing, guys? Hey, dude. We're doing well, thanks. I'd say, I'd say well, I'd say the, the, the tastier, hotter, higher up end of well. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, I've not spoken to either of you for a while. Like we're missing Will tonight, but do you want to introduce yourselves and and tell people a little bit about how we met, how you guys met? So many moons ago, uh, we were young electro artists and uh, we were uh, making music, mainly in bedrooms, and got in touch uh, with uh, your label called Gash Digital. I think you initially approached us um, through, through MySpace, uh, which is showing our age, perhaps perhaps stupidly, perhaps we should keep that one under wraps a little bit. So I was in a band at that time called uh, The Robot Disaster, and we were touring a little bit and um, playing some exciting shows. Then we joined your label and every single re- we released had some really, really fantastic remixes on. And it put us in touch with lots of other super creative artists a lot of whom were older than us and based in london so it was a really exciting time and one of those artists was ed who's is also on the on zoom line yeah it's crazy actually like i always think about how um you know neither of us were living in london but we used to come down to play in london all the time and we used to be in london at the same time quite a lot so i would come and see robot disaster you would come and see uh, me i was under the name of coin operated boy at the time and then we used to go out afterwards um, and just have a bit of a tear up. But I, I'll never forget what Gav said uh, to me like, years later, like after we had like known each other for a little while. And um, like back then, I was just like super, super shy. And like Gav was this like crazy front man who was like big charisma, big personality. And I was like super shy. And I used to sit in the corner of the room. And Gav was like, "Oh, we." We thought you were cool and like aloof and like the electro guy. <laughs> and, and it turned out you weren't. Just, just, just a shy guy who was just sat in the corner. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's basically it. Um, so, yeah, man, we just, we ended up living together and then we ended up making some music together. And um, the rest was history. But yeah, it was a, that was a sick time, dude. That was amazing. I've always thought you're cool, Ed, anyway, so that's it. <laughs> Maybe not so much aloof, but definitely cool, that's it. So we just, we just played um, your remix of, of Deleuze. That, that received some good plays. So it made its way onto Radio 1. Oh, I've got that. I've, um, I've got the vinyl here. Amazing, amazing. Uh, like framed, yeah, I love that. I'm really proud of that. Yeah, it, it was really exciting to be around uh, records and producers creating the records on on the label gas digital producers and records who were frankly you know better than my band at that time but my band at that time was all style and no substance so <laughs> we got where we deserved which was you know back in our bedrooms following a long and tortuous loop out into the music industry and all the way back on a return ticket but the journey itself was incredible you know I it opened my eyes and it just it enabled me to start to think think a lot more widely about music and, and think of mixing genres and, and to be honest think of myself as actually a musician and an artist rather than somebody who was just in a gang of mates or, or boasting and that record that Ed then brought to the flat we shared for many years the remix he did of Deleuze which he's really proud of and he, he had it on the wall and it's amazing how those connections continue because I'm now reading Stacey Deleuze's book, which mm. is called Eat, Sleep, Sing. And when I was young and I was on the same label, I was a little bit too shy to ask her for advice about singing because she was just so much better than me. And I'm now we're all, we're all a little bit older and wiser and she's you know, published a real book, which has got rave reviews on Amazon. So everybody involved went on to do interesting and engaging things afterwards definitely yeah it's funny man actually i I would like echo something that gav said like kind of alluded to earlier which is like um this is like no no exaggeration gash digital was like the first label that i wanted to be on like you know before then i'd like released remixes i've released a couple of tracks and stuff and i've been picked up by like a few german labels and stuff and like it just kind of happened a little bit and like i was like kind of stupid so it 
I just thought that's what happened. I was like, oh yeah, labels are going to work with me. Um, and like Gash was the first one where I saw it uh, again on my space. And I was like, that is cool. And I want to release a record on that label. Um, so yeah, that was like, that was super exciting. Like actually like working with you guys and doing remixes and originals was like, blew my mind when that happened. That was crazy. Yeah, I feel totally humbled by comments like that, to be honest. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm sorry that I noticed it you earlier, man. Yeah, no, that's it. Well, we, we, to give it the big one at the time once we've got a few beers inside you. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we never quite made it internationally, did we? But um, we certainly made it as far as Leicester. <laughs> 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 Which, we we, coincidentally, wasn't that far from either of your homes. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, we actually regressed. <laughs> did, didn't Robot Disaster actually write a, write a song about that one particular? night that stands out to me that we had in Leicester where we had a bit of a gash digital label night there and uh, I think I DJed Robot Disaster performed um, have you had, have you ever any other fond memories of our of our times when we when we travelled around uh, spreading the gash digital word <laughs> yeah definitely uh, something that brought me into contact with Ed as well who I'm in skeletons with now and on the call with now thanks for clarifying <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, something that brought me into contact with him was invitations to Sheffield because he was at university there. Dude, so it wasn't I, just London. I remember the first, like, the first time I ever like encountered Gav, and I think it was one of the first times I actually met Pete in person as well. Because like we've been chatting about Gash Digital and everything, and I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna go to a gig with like this label guy. Oh my god, this is crazy. And so I went down to DQ, and uh, and who should who should be playing? But the robot disaster, um, and like Gav being a little bit younger, and like you know, he like Gav has mellowed a bit more in recent years. But back then, he was very just sort of like bit of a mouth, and um, the northern audiences weren't a huge fan of the amount of sass that Gav was giving them. But like um, that was my first encounter with Gav, and, and I'm pleased to say like it only got better from there. But like at first, he was just like giving it the big ones to like the Sheffield crowd and they were not they were not living life at all I, I remember that gig so well actually I think, I think I had to pull you aside afterwards Gav didn't I and just have a little quiet word about about the difference between uh, northern crowds and London crowds <laughs> <laughs> was that when you met Charlie XCX? no we met Charlie XCX in Tamworth <laughs> <laughs> Charlie XCX in Tamworth and she gave us this record, which was produced by a guy called Loki Lillistone. Wow. And he um, was a resident DJ at a club in Nottingham, uh, which was based at Stealth, I think. She was about 13 and she was extremely keen on, on our bass player, who was significantly older than her. And she told us she was going to be one of the biggest pop stars in the UK, which we didn't take very seriously. It made it happen, dude. Yeah, it made it made happen. It happen. So, yeah, lots of things used, used to happen all the time. Um, we had a lot of good times with Don't Wait Animate as well, who oh, made some oh. cracking records and videos with more influences from like samba and world music and, and funk. I think we were we were more on the sort of uh, French electronica and like the sawtooth synth side of the spectrum rather than the sort of wonky, syncopated and um, more diverse end of the spectrum that they were on. So whenever we had a joint gig, it would work really well because we were both on the label and we could both make people dance and we had quite hedonistic sounds, but the sounds were totally different and they were both very remixable. Mm. So I loved it, I, but you know, the main reason I loved hanging out with DJs is because they stayed up really late and partied really hard. <laughs> so after a while, it, it, it took its toll, you know, it took its toll on my studies, took its toll on my uh, relationship with my mum. I definitely needed to ring her up a bit more often at that stage. <laughs> yeah. But what, what are your memories, Pete, of this you know, fantastic, optimistic time we had together. <laughs> Probably quite minimal for those very reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I think these conversations bring them all back. <laughs> oh yeah, that happened. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. I mean, it's interesting how you mentioned Charlie XCX there, because I think she was very much part of that whole blog house scene, mm. um, which 
dare I say it, I think Gas Digital fell into in many senses, for good and bad. I think Bloghouse had somewhat of a reputation for being quite a mixed bag of production um and i think i think you fell into the better end of it ed with coin operated boy um yeah, not, not deservedly though my music my music was terrible but um <laughs> but, no, but you're right though. And, and like i i look back on it now and i'm like how will people remember that period where like the, the way people found music underground music was was via the blogs and it was via like hype machine and stuff like that which still exists but that was like so like um proliferated at the time and I'm kind of like interested to know what the sort of long-term impression of that time is going to be because there was like tons of people around in that scene like you know guys like um uh, Ghost of Venice who's who's now I think based in LA um and like you know Inside Out Boy and Screen Death and like Clouds and all those guys who like even people like Grum and even Calvin Harris Grum dude so it's amazing yeah (laughs) it was a really nice guy um yeah and so like you know I was curious about how people remember it because it was a period of like rampant crate digging but like online yes I was thinking about it a little bit before coming to do the podcast and when acceptable in the 80s by Calvin Harris came out. It was radio and playlisted. Some of the synths on it were quite abrasive, but it had a fantastic beat and it, it, it was quite unifying. And it, I realized looking back on that era, there's so little um, unifying, unifyingly popular music now. You know, every single person has their own uh, library of music and I, I discover music that's similar to the music we make and it's exactly the type of music I want to listen to every single day and every single time I go to the shops whereas my memories of being on Gash Digital were that you know there were certain big bands and big artists that everybody knew about but that wasn't what we were doing we, you know the, the sounds that were um, in the blogosphere were quite kind of dangerous and harsh some of them whereas today it's it seems like a big objective is polish and sheen so like the the terms that spring to my mind are like electro clash we used to say we were an electro punk band and we spell it all one word electro punk and you know it was it was just a little bit more dangerous and and you know, some of the production was lazy because of that, but mm. some of the music that you danced to genuinely sounded still quite aggressive and mean. Mm. Um, whereas these days, the most popular music um, to dance to in clubs seems to have a lot more sort of sheen and polish, and, and it's a lot more tuneful at times, I think. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I, I think there's two sides to it, though, and I think, like, you know, uh, taking like the rose tinted specs off a little bit like we've already kind of said it a couple of times but some of the production was just like so bad and like people were really just trying to make waters of nazareth people were just trying to do like that that justice waters of nazareth hard super sore sound with a really heavy kick and like really kind of not much else and people sort of took took the wrong thing away from justice in a way because like justice was all about like and let's like let's be clear like justice were the like heads of that scene in a lot of ways um people took away like the sawtoothy nasty distorted sound but kind of missed the fact that it was all supposed to be like rock and roll and that what they were going for was like a and actually in later albums they really made it a bit more overt that kind of rock and roll style on the first album like people kind of missed that the spirit of it was the important thing and not just like a really heavy kick a really heavy sawtooth and then it's just like boom i've made a justice track because because a lot of stuff ended up being crap because of it it's it's, it's so true i mean some of my standout memories from that time as well is uh, there were certain records that i played during that time that i still chose to play despite the fact that the production wasn't great and i remember i remember playing in in one club where they had a particularly amazing sound system and the sound engineer came running over to me and and <laughs> and, 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 and questioned what i was doing because because the output through his system just sounded as if it was peaking um yeah. when actually it was probably just the quality of the production and it's and and Maybe I shouldn't be playing records like that, but equally, that was all part of the times to be playing records that that 
that grabs your attention off the blogs just as much as the the ones that have been well produced and well mastered and yeah and it was actually like it was pretty democratic like people used to like send tracks to blogs and other artists and stuff and you'd have the mp3s and like everyone would get a chance to like play stuff like that and actually it wasn't very snobby which was quite good it wasn't sort of like, oh, you know, I've got the best track and you haven't got this, blah, blah, blah. Actually, it was quite cool because people were just like, oh, yeah, noisy music. I'm wearing fluo. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was it was open-spirited. Yeah. And it didn't take itself mega seriously. Um, or, or, although some involved obviously did. Inevitably. Yeah. It, it, was, it was a nice time, you know, when we were on Gas Digital. We, we just really... Um, didn't think too much about making music and going on tour to different cities to share our music and getting it up online and then chatting to other people about if they enjoyed it. And, and we enjoyed making it. So we were less bothered about reactions. It's definitely less bothered about other people's reactions than we are today. I think that leads us on quite nicely to talk about skeletons though, really. So, I mean, that's where you are today. Um, I'm about to play a track off your new EP, Apocalypse Now, is it? Apocalypse Wow. Apocalypse Wow, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'm going to play Brazilian Crystal. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that particular track? Yeah, okay. I do. Um, well, the the lyrical themes in, in Brazilian Crystal are about materialism and, uh, and social media anxiety. So letting go of that desire to be liked, especially when you've got a sort of evil attention grabbing machine in your pocket which is you know trying to sell you stuff all the time and just being a, a little bit introspective about the impact that um pressure to to conform or, or to perform or to achieve can have on you and um, so it's a nice personal song but it, it, it's about those cultural phenomena excellent well this is brazilian crystal we
so nice for you to to join me on the Fresh Eat podcast today, guys. But um, I've been checking out what you've been up to recently, and I feel quite uh, wow. Well, I don't feel worthy. You've been you've been on there with Scott Mills on BBC introducing uh, Amazing Radio. How have they come about? And uh, have you any other plans for performances in these times where we're struggling to to perform live? We've managed to stay busy throughout the lockdown, and that's been a, a function of having more time to email so so there's there's ways in which it hasn't changed since since the blogosphere and, and the, the blog house scene you know just jumping online and and reaching out and we've also been pretty strict with ourselves about seeking and receiving and actually implementing feedback on our mixes and, and on our production so we, you know ed's ed's the lead producer but it's something that we're continuing to to develop and, and improve and getting on with scott mills and uh, wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for BBC introducing. So BBC Coventry have been extremely kind to us, are really supportive. And they play all our stuff, they even sometimes play it on The Breakfast Show. And we go up to Coventry to play for them. Mm. They put us forward for an opportunity that exists purely because of the coronavirus. So Scott Mills was just spotlighting acts on the show whose who's gigs are cancelled. But yeah, I don't know how Ed feels. I mean, I, I'm feeling pretty frustrated about the fact gigs are cancelled. And I think I, I probably am ungrateful enough to admit that I'd, I'd swap a, a, a remote Zoom session with Scott Mills for, you know, a gig in a cocktail bar right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know what? Like the, the funny thing about um, lockdown is, like as, as Gav said, like I, I do produ- like the production. And one of the upsides of everything, if you're going to put a silver lining on it, is that it has forced us to focus a little bit more on the stuff that's been a little easier to ignore when we're getting that serotonin hit of playing gigs, you know, every month or so. So really focusing on the production and really focusing on like getting our music in the best condition possible and refining all that stuff has been wicked like we've actually really forced ourselves to do that and for me as the producer like that really puts a spotlight on things sometimes in a good way sometimes in a oh i've actually really got to step my game up sort of way um but yeah no it's been great for for doing that kind of things but i'm the same as gav like years ago i wasn't a big fan like i wasn't a big gigger like i used to like stay at home do studio stuff and i used to do gigs to make money and now you know gav's fully transmitted the live bug to me and now I am itching to get out and play a gig. I mean, I, it's just, it's our home. Like it's our, it's our hallowed ground. It's what we do. So even, as much as I'm saying, you know, we've, we've focused on other stuff and we've managed to keep ourselves busy and it's been really good and really productive. We still want to get on that stage, like so much. Like when this is finally one day over, we're going to do like a tour. We're going to do a world tour. <laughs> we play every, every venue in the world. Um, over the course of a year and it's going to be glorious that's a promise that's that's ambition if ever I heard it um, <laughs> maybe you can start Alex James's uh, cheese farm that was one gig that I was so jealous to see but what, but what a dangerous gig player you know if we've spent all day down in Emmental and Brie like it's going out of fashion and then we're jumping on the stage dancing around all over the place can you imagine what that would do I, I, I think that would be We'd have to save all the cheese consumption for after the gig so that we didn't like make ourselves sick. I think social distancing would be super important whenever that gig happens, uh, for the obvious yeah. reasons. Yeah, nasty. <laughs> <Which> <laughs> to do with Corona. <laughs> exactly. Still with us, Gap. Sorry. I was just listening to you, Ed. I, I know the cheese odyssey is something you were hugely looking for. So I'll just <laughs> let you express yourself about it, mate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Alex James, you know, he he's he's on our hit list. Whether he reorganises his festival or not, we're coming down to his cheese bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll play a gig for his children, you know, <laughs> regardless. Yeah, absolutely. If you, if you fancy a tag along, do let me know so I can certainly help you eat some of that cheese. No, oh, we're going to eat him out of house and home. We're going to ruin his livelihood. Like little mice. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's your favourite cheese? <laughs> Big podcast with big questions. I'm going to bore you by saying that I'm I'm such a cheddar fan because I'm such a big fan of cheese on toast. It has to be a good cheddar, a good mature cheddar. But I I love cheese on toast. 
Yeah, we'll whack a little bit of Worcester sauce. Worcester sauce, some herbs, maybe a bit of ketchup if I'm if oh, I'm you in my game. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're like borderline Welsh rabbiting this. Like, you are going like hard. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I haven't had cheese on toast for ages. I might have a cheese on toast tonight or something. Cheese on toast and <laughs> some, <laughs> a side portion of soup. Hey, being a... <laughs> it, it is. It is funny how it, in, in lockdown, like a lot of those sort of things that you just kind of wouldn't really do. You're just, oh yeah, I can, I can have a cheese on toast. I'm an adult, aren't I? I'm allowed to do that now, aren't I? I can just, ah, I want some beans. Have some beans. Yeah, I can have beans now because, because the world is burning, so I can have beans. The guy who drove my band's van when I was on Pete's label back in the day actually always used to customise his beans with extra seasoning. (laughs) And if you ever ate beans without adding some sort of twist, you know, whether it was some chilli sauce or mm. some seasoning of some sort. If you got some beans out in your own house, he would just go to his, go to the, your herb cupboard, <laughs> like survey it. And then if you ever ate beans in front of him, which were unseasoned, he'd just give you the dirtiest look. Like beans just had to be, you know, beans plus, like beans 2.0. beans. Was he, was he particular about his beans? Or is this for any beans? I mean, if it were... Uh, no, was... actually, he would go for a value bean, but then... Oh, oh. Yeah, <laughs> weird. Yeah. That comes to under-promising and over-delivering, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> with the Tesco value come out the cupboard, everyone just drops their head, and then and then he magics up an amazing, the best beans you've ever tasted. Yeah, yeah. Look, well, a, look a bad toastman blames his beans. That's yeah, if you're going to go that hard on like upgrading your beans, you think you go for Heinz or even the controversial but underrated Branston choice. Oh, Branston's own brand beans, yeah. Actually, uh, I'm getting so old these days, we home make baked beans. Oh my God, that's so bougie. Diced carrot in it, and then we oh. have that in our fridge to stop us from eating canned beans because we just want to just maximise our health benefit. Oh, oh Gavin, Gavin, you've been, you've been living in East London for too long. <laughs> Far too long. You're so domesticated these days. I mean, the gal who was on stage at DQ like yelling at northerners is not the gab that I expected to have his own homemade beans featuring carrot in the fridge. Just, just imagine if you'd have mentioned that on stage in Sheffield. <laughs> you you wouldn't have just been shouted at. People, people would have started throwing tins of beans at you. <laughs> Look, as long as they remove the beans from the tin, that's fine. I can just get a nice shower, you know, get mopped up. Right then, right then, right then. I need to draw us back on track. Um, Before we got sidetracked by beans and cheese on toast, we were talking about Skeleton's future. Um, Well, as a few closing remarks, do you want to tell us where people can hear more from you? um, What lies in store for you over the next six months of a year? Yeah, thanks, Pete. They, They, the people, the listeners, the wonderful world out there, can check us out on our website, which is skeleton.uns. So a lot of people think we're from New Zealand because we've got the .nz at the end. But the easiest thing to do is just uh, search our name. It's skeletons, spelt with Zs. Z-K-E-L-E-T-O-N-Z. We've got an Apocalypse Wow EP, which is half halfway out and it's coming out bit by bit at the moment and then what do you reckon next then are you going to do do an album do another ep we've got lots of music in the box so. well i mean after after our next single um well next song on the ep comes out which is 25 hours which comes out on the 11th of november um which is i think going to be our last song of the year and then we'll be releasing um porsche to berlin early next year which is going to be our next single and then we're just kind of making new stuff, you know? Yeah, we're thinking, we've been throwing this idea of an album around for a little while now. And I think we're sort of creatively charged up to do it. It's just a case of like getting the time to get together and actually kind of write it, like if we can go away for a bit to do it. So I think we've got a, a good amount of like material ready to go. So yeah, there's, there's gonna be quite a lot coming in 2021. We just have to write it, record it, mix it, produce it. Master it, <laughs> release it, and and all in house as well. I have to add, which is so impressive. Exactly, and that that's the 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 best thing and one of the most challenging things is that when when I say we have to do that, I mean we have to do that. That's not anyone else doing that. So that's exciting and fun and hands on, but it's also it's a lot of work. 
you've, you've certainly achieved a lot yourselves. Um, I have to add, you do all your own marketing and PR, uh, your bookings as well. Um, God is a force of nature. But that came from Pete. You know, I, I'm not just saying this for the sake of the podcast. <laughs> he didn't always succeed at it, but he showed me a template which I ran with. And ever since that early time in our career, I felt happy to be in control and just, you know, put my heart and soul into it. And it has never struck me as unusual to just do absolutely everything in a music project. <laughs> I, I think I always said to you, didn't I, many years ago, that you reminded uh, me of, of myself. Um, <laughs> and I think there's, there's, there's probably some truth in that for good and bad, because I'm still the same today. I mean, even in the business I run now, I, I still have to really reluctantly take a step back every now and then because I like to be involved in everything um, <laughs> and do as much as possible by myself, which isn't humanely possible. So, <laughs> um, but, but that's that's yeah. <laughs> We've stretched it pretty far with skeletons, and you know, there's there's further for it to progress. I think the problem is having released some really awesome singles that we're really proud of. Every time we achieve a little bit of success, our ambition grows. So I was chatting to Ed on Sunday about how there's, you know, there's some parts we're working on which we, I want to get an orchestra to play. And that will mean that Will, the other skeleton, is going to have to score them. And then we're going to have to hire these guys from Budapest, guys and girls from Budapest on a full, full instrumental range, you know. And then we'll be making some synth uh, and string driven disco. But it won't get smaller. We can we can promise you that it, it'll get grander, you know, bigger, more colourful, bolder, brighter. It's that all sounds so exciting. It really does. I'm looking forward to hearing what else you've got in store over the coming years. Um, it's been so good to catch up with you both. Uh, thanks very much for, for joining me. Um, before you go, Ed, can I ask you to pick a pick a record for me to open my next mix with? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I reckon you should kick it off with a track called um, Bogey Night by a New York band called Mad Mad Mad. Uh, it's kind of a soul waxy sort of live electronic vibe. It's really nice and scattered kind of beats and big busy electronic sounds. Um, they seem relatively unknown, but um, I think they're just going to be massive. Like they're already getting like interest from like Giles Peterson, uh, you know, Arlarkin, uh, Animatronic as well. I think we're playing them. So like they are absolutely wicked. Uh, more people should listen to them. They're called Mad Mad Mad.
Good and mad, mad, mad. I discovered after recording that interview that they're in fact from London. They're not a New York band at all. Uh, they were due to actually play at Paper Dress. Uh, unlucky for some 13th birthday a few weekends ago. Hopefully that'll get rearranged for some point in the future. This is Laurie Garnier and Chambray's Feeling Good.
that's cute or whatever. She ain't seen nothing like this. Touch the spine with both your hands and mine So young and fine, can't tell me no Born to be free, try to box me I float like I leap, move my body like waves in the sea When you call in my flow, just remember to breathe like I'm what they came to see, say I'm everything you need, please and throw it back Till you sweat it all out like it's a hundred degrees I'm the truth. Listen to these rhymes, control your spine. Don't think about it, just do. Came to redefine and redesign what it means to break the rules. So break the cage, don't be afraid. Get off the wall, grab some alcohol. Let the youth of the night for your spirits tonight. Get drunk off the brace, let it be your skate. Get woozy from the drums, let it fill your lungs. Don't matter where you're from, don't matter how old. Before I go, I gotta let you know that the party don't stop till I hit the floor.
the problem with these interview shows is it leaves very little time for music and we're at the end once again thanks again for listening now I know a lot of y'all think y'all got it all think y'all really do y'all things let's get or whatever but she ain't seen nothing like this I'll be back in a couple of weeks time back in the mix looking forward to it see you then